Welcome to the Leadership Mindset Podcast with me, Tony Brooks, where we look to revolutionize your leadership mindset by changing how you think and see your world, enabling you to do the right things and grow significantly as a leader. Welcome back to the Leadership Mindset Podcast Series. Uh, really pleased to have with me today, Andrew Bailey. Andrew and I have known each other a long, long time. I reckon it could be getting over 10 years, Andrew. You'll maybe correct me in a minute. Uh, Andrew is a pricing and negotiation specialist, and he helps people win more deals more often at higher prices, which I reckon should be of interest to pretty much anybody out there. And uh, certainly if you picked up on this episode, I'm sure you're going to find it interesting. And he also does this through four skills that Andrew's developed over a long period of time. Have you been working as a, independently now, Andrew? Uh, 14 years now, Tony. So yeah, I mean, pretty soon time to you. So Yeah, well, I'm 16 years. And I reckon we met fairly early doors. So it's going to be over yeah. 10 years, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It ought to be over 10 years. Okay, well, brilliant. Well, to, first of all, then, let's, first of all, thank you for joining us, Andrew. But um, if you could give people a bit of a flavour, a sort of a summary of your journey to where you are today, really, I guess what's brought you to this place of being a pricing and negotiation specialist? Yeah, um, I guess the first thing to say is I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to be a pricing specialist, because that's sort of not what people do. Um, I guess the, the foundations were uh, back in uh, corporate employment. Um, you know, I ran a sales team and was continually asked for more sales volume at higher prices and margins every year after year. And it just gets really, really difficult to to keep um keep growing sales and margins and making more and so you know just discovering and and being curious about what levers to pull and what could work more effectively i came across you know just this idea that actually if i put more of my time and my team's time into protecting our margins price increases just being really smart about how we do it we could hit all our targets without having to put in more effort to get more and more new business. Um, and if you look through the numbers, they they sort of suggest the same thing. So so it becomes quite a powerful proposition. And, and from there, you know, we had quite a lot of success doing that. And I was asked to uh, run the pricing function for the, for the business, you know, so quite a large um, UK, you know, um, branch of a global business i ran the pricing function for a few years uh, which was great fun achieved a lot and like many of us we we sort of think yeah there's lots of other businesses out there that might benefit from this type of approach um set off on a journey 14 years ago to help predominantly small medium-sized businesses who perhaps don't get the access to big consultancies to do this sort of work um to, to to help them be better at pricing, negotiating, getting the margins that they want and and been enjoying it ever since. Hey, no, brilliant. And I and I think what you do is so important, Andrew. We you know we were saying about when we started our businesses. I think the first client I had was in my was it around about after twelve months of doing what I do. And um I remember charging thirty pounds a month. <laughs> and also Feeling really, di- finding that really difficult, even to charge thirty pounds a month when I started. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to get into all of this, but I, I think it's um, 
brilliant what you do. And you talk a lot, we'll look at it, but I think like value-based pricing, and I think it is that journey of valuing yourself, yeah. isn't it? Um, let's go into some, some of these things. Um, people do have problems pricing up their services and products, products and what have you, and, and what to charge. What do you think some of the issues are, you know, whether they be psychological or practical, I guess, where, what kind of problems do people face when they when they are trying to set and what do you what do you see? Yeah, I mean, the first things that I start talking to people are uh, and this will be really familiar for you, Tony, it's sort of about a pricing type mindset um, and how they feel about those conversations, because we're all great at talking about what we do and our products, our service, and we're really passionate about it. Then we get to that point of the conversation where we have to talk about money and all of a sudden we start getting a little bit anxious and nervous and and things sort of begin to derail because we know that's the point at which a customer is is going to take a view on what we do. They've loved it up until then because everything's been great and we can help them and, and do great things with them. But then that saying that price just just puts a moment in the conversation where we're fearful things could begin to unravel. And and I think in this country, you know, we hate talking about money anyway. Um, culturally, we're not great at blowing our own trumpets and talking about what we do and how good we are. And, of course, we also try and avoid challenges, objections, and and that little bit of confrontation. So if you wrap all of those three things together, the pricing conversation has got no chance of being successful if that's how we think it's going to go. So... We've really got to be prepared as as um, business people to have that a really confident conversation um, from a mindset perspective and get ourselves in the position where we understand our values. We talk to people about the impact we have and how we can price our products and services based on what we do for our customers, what benefits and outcomes they're going to get, what results that then gives us a little bit more confidence to talk about our prices. And if we present those in uh, a structured, well-thought-through way, we can make that whole sales process, that whole issue about the customer conversation, just so much easier for both us and our, and our customers and just take away a lot of those psychological mindset barriers that we've got um, you know, when, when I had my first meeting with my first client, a bit like you, Tony, I sat in front of them, uh, I knew them, had a great conversation. Then they said, right, how much is this going to cost me? And I was completely ill-prepared for that conversation. Hadn't even thought that they would say, yes, how much? Um, and, and the end result was I probably lost myself quite a lot of money by not preparing and being in a good place just to answer a really simple question yeah no it's interesting you you um you also touched you touched on the word fear there and you know that i talk a lot about survival thinking and and fear-based thinking i guess Mm. and uh and i think that's another thing that can trigger as well because um suddenly in this place where as you say you get into this where people are going to take a view on whether they want to do this or they don't want to do this. And for, for us, the consequence of that is we will get some business and some income and something purposeful to do with our time, or we won't. Uh, but part of our 
psychology will be going sort of crazy that um, it, is, it is almost, you know, a potential life and death business threatening situation as well, which 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 can certainly hijack us. And um, and I, don't, I, I want to get into this more with you, but I think it's that, um, as you said, Andrew, you know, particularly when you start in business, it's challenging. But over time, I think it's that appreciation that, we're not just providing the service we're providing. We're providing all the expertise and knowledge that we've been developing over the years that's led us to that place as well. And um, you, you were talking before we started the podcast episode about you know, the way that you you know you uh, engage with people and do workshops and do things like um, reinforcement sessions after and calls and this kind of thing because it's not just the value you deliver at that point in time but it's all of the value you have and expertise you have to deal with tactical challenges and all those different scenarios so um yeah it's 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 a you know that value that we bring um is often way more than we credit ourselves with isn't it really i guess yeah and i think one of the things that people start off with when they price their products and services they they usually start off by looking to see what other people charge and then they'll sort of think about whether or not they want to be positioned sort of a little bit higher or lower or what they do, what they don't do, what they include. And they come to a figure that is sort of similar to other people, which is a classic sort of uh, competitor-based pricing approach. If we talk to people about value-based pricing, which is you know the cornerstone of, of one of those four skills that we talk about with people, it's about what's the customer what what do they want? What do they want to achieve? Where do they want to get to? What's the transformation that they want to experience? Then we can begin to think about how we're positioned to do that. Yeah. The outcome for the customer. And once we understand that, we can then begin to think about, okay, so what's the best way of me delivering that? Yeah. And once we've got that best way of delivering it and we know what the outcomes are for our customers, then we can begin to think about, so what's a fair price for me to charge for the customer to achieve that? Yeah, yeah. Me, in my business, you know, I don't talk to people initially about workshops, different tools and techniques that they can they can use. That's the, the sort of the how. It's more about, you know, coming on the program is going to give you the confidence to charge what you think you're worth and get it. And imagine how that feels when you walk out the door. You know, it's much more about, yeah, I'm going to do a great job for this customer. And I feel I'm getting what I'm worth rather than, well, I'm doing this work for, for this particular uh, client, um, but I, I should be getting more. Yeah, I'm not quite happy with that. I'm still going to do it because I still need the money, which is, again, one of those mindset things that knocks us back. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do it, but, I, you know, I should have got a bit more uh, and I feel a little bit, you know, less less good about that, um, which doesn't foster a great customer relationship. So, so you know, the transformation is away from being anxious, nervous, fearful of the conversation to say, you know, this is what I'm worth. This is what you're going to achieve by us working together. I'm just asking you for a fair fee to deliver it. Yeah. And it's interesting, you almost, um, you, I'm sure you'll have seen the famous TED Talk by Simon Sinek, Start With A Why. And there was almost a bit of that in the way you spoke then. It was not getting fixated with how things are delivered, but 
the why, which is to give them the confidence to be able to walk out and engage with people, you know, in a, in a positive way. And I've got a question for you. I, I mean, I've experienced this at points in, in time over my business, quite happy to be honest about that. And I'm sure people, particularly in the earlier days of, of running their business, either solo or if they've got employees, um, may get on the back foot sometimes because the business is losing money or not making the money that, that's needed. And that can make you, for want of a better expression, I guess I'm doing a little bit desperate. Um, yeah. And sometimes people can pick up on that energy, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts around that for, pe- for people that are, are possibly in a, a difficult situation um, and how they approach when you talk about pricing mindset, particularly for those people? Yeah, I think the danger is, and, and we're all really good at um, discounting what we do before we talk to our customers. So we come up with a great program for them, and then then we sort of begin to have this dialogue around, yeah, that's quite a lot of money. I'm not sure they'll go for that. Um, could I do it for a bit less? Um, and all the while, you know, we want to win the business, but we don't want to undervalue ourselves. So, yeah. you know, we... We sort of have to get in that state of mind to say, you know, this is really valuable to my customer. They're going to get a great transformation. Their business is going to improve. It's about that fairness. And, you know, if you can achieve that that place that's that's about, you know, if the customer wants it, that's great. And I'm going to do my absolute best to deliver the best work for them. But if they don't see that and they don't see that value, then... I'm going somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The slight detachment to say, you know, this is going to be great, but if you don't want it, quite frankly, there are thousands and thousands of other people who do need it and can take advantage of it. And I think it's a really difficult thing to do, especially when we, uh, as small business owners, have this perception that we need the money to take that slightly, hate using the term because it's not about being arrogant it's just that confidence that then in turn comes across to your customer that they get it and they think yeah "Yeah, this person knows what they're talking about they know their value and i'm I'm getting that message from them Uh, we just i think sometimes we've just got to have faith and we've got to practice that conversation um, and one of the tools that we use in the program takes people through that pricing conversation so that you can deliver that really confidently. And I, I have a joke with people on programs. I just say, you know, that's after all, that's what bathroom, bathroom mirrors were made for, you know, to practice in front of. Because, you know, the more and more we do it, the more confident we get. And we know that the more confident we are, people get it and, and they respond to it and you've got less chance of pushbacks if that's the case. Yeah, no, brilliant. And what about, um, I mean, you've started to touch on some areas where people can go wrong with pricing. I mean, you've talked about um, looking too quickly to compare with what others charge, um, getting too fixated on needing the money, those kind of things. Where, where What are the mistakes do you see that people make um, when they when they put together their pricing, I think I think the competitive um, comparison is is an important one. Um, I think the other the other area that people spend a lot of time on is trying to work out what the best price is. Um, 
And unless you're going to do a lot of research to understand what your customers are willing to pay, you know, which is the holy grail of pricing, if you like, is understanding what somebody will pay for what you do. Then you can charge them accordingly. Really, really <laughs> difficult to do because nobody's <laughs> ever going to tell you that. Um, so, so people spend a lot of time trying to work it out and do lots of analysis to get to a price that's really difficult you know, to get to. Uh, so I just say to people, you know, don't bother trying to get the perfect price because you'll never do it because the next person you talk to might be prepared to pay a little bit more, in which case. Yeah. So so there are some things that you can do to avoid that happening um, and put yourself in a much better place. If I can talk through one of the things that I think is really important for um, individual business owners, service providers, small businesses is to develop a series of price product options that you can talk to your customer about. Right. Yeah. You'll see it classically when you go online and you get a little bit of software to help you, say, send emails and things. Yeah. Different sorts of versions. Absolutely. So, so, so we're quite familiar with it. Lots of people don't do it in their businesses. So, uh, and it's got a series of great advantages. First thing is uh, we don't necessarily need to come up with the right or perfect price for our product because if we're presenting two, three, or four, and I wouldn't yep. go any more than that, then um, we've got two or three price points that we can begin to understand which one works better for the customer. If they choose or they look at one option over another, we can ask them, Okay, so what's attractive about that version of what we can offer instead of something different? And we take the sales conversation away from an an arbitrary yes or no, do you want it, don't you want it, to which one of these would be most appropriate? Yeah. Which is just a, a much more relaxed, collaborative way of selling what you do to give the customer, because we all like choices, we never like to be sold to, but we love buying stuff. So give your customer some choice, and that takes away a lot of that stress and anxiety about what's the price, what are they going to think? Because if they don't like one option at one price, that's great because you've got two or three others that you can talk to them about. Absolutely, yeah. So, As you said, it, yeah, the choice isn't yes or no. It's um, about finding the right option for them then, isn't it? Yeah, and, and if and if either of those or, or any of those options isn't the right one, then that's probably a good filter that that prospective customer is not right for you either. So, yeah, yeah. so I think, you know, uh, avoiding lots of research, avoiding just going straight to what your competitors do and, and cost type pricing and think about your customer, think about what will be, you know, really great for them, create some options and then just go for it. And and it's okay to work it out as you go. Yeah. And as you were saying as well, though, another mistake or th- an area where people can go wrong, I guess, is being unprepared or unrehearsed or whatever. But actually, know, like you said when you first started, but know, what, know very clearly what your options are and how you're going to present them, I guess. And yeah. uh, so having those conversations in a professional way rather than looking like you're being caught on the hoof or... Yeah, and, and, you know, we should all be prepared to have that conversation with our customer, whether it's the first phone call, first meeting, or it's 
two or three months down the line, you know, why wouldn't you? So, you know, once we can do that and we've got a really good structure and format to have that conversation, then we have more confidence because we're, we're following that approach, which in turn, you know, when we get to that point in the conversation, we're presenting those options and those prices, we can be much more confident about that as well. So it all sorts of comes together. Um, and of course, you know, if you, and we've all had it where you get pushbacks from customers who might want to negotiate or put some objections in front of us. If we've got different options of what we do, then overcoming those challenges also becomes a lot easier because if yeah. we've got a problem with one, we can move them to a different one or we can ask more specific questions like, well, what is it about that option that isn't right for you and then they can give us the answer so so some simple options around our pricing can solve a number of different parts of of that um that customer conversation yeah do, do you also think another area where people can go wrong is by uh, for one of a better expression being almost too be passive too ready to almost um I'll do anything you want and in the power game almost. Um, I, I know we're here to serve, you know, but, but almost too much of that, that um, I'll, I'll do whatever you want as long as you give me the business kind of approach. I don't know, but you see, do you see that as well? Or uh, I, I see it with new, with relatively new startups, new people into business. Yeah. And we've all been there and, and yeah, I'm sure we've done it as well, where we think actually, yeah, I need a few customers um, yeah, it might not necessarily be money driven. It could just be referrals, testimonials. We need a little bit of track record. And it is, and it, and it is really easy to sort of have that conversation, say, you know, yeah, I can do that. Um, and then walk out the door and think, right, how on earth am I going to do it? I think there's a quote that crops up by Richard Branson on LinkedIn every now and again about, you know, if somebody asks you if you can do something, say yes, then work it out later. I'm not entirely convinced that's right, but uh, (laughs) I think there is a tendency to do that if we want business. But what I now believe for sort of 14 years in is there's much more power in talking about what we don't do. Okay. And the impact on our customers, if they ask, you know, because we present what we do, we present what we do um, and our proposition and, and why we're in business to then say almost whether you, imply it or it's subconscious but i could do everything else as well yeah okay negates everything else you've done you might as well just be a generalist business advisor fine um but if you specialize a little bit more uh where i think the opportunity to drive those prices and margins is much higher there's something quite neat and powerful about saying we do this this and this we don't do that yeah no, I get that. I get that. And I think it's also, um, for me as well, and no, you've been in business a long time. You, you reminded me of a conversation I had um, recently where I thought I wasn't best positioned to help. And, and I said, I, I think there's a really good contact you should speak to, take a different approach with this and, and go down that path. And I think that's part of it, isn't it, Andrew? We, we were talking about the use of the word specialist earlier and what have you. Um, but Knowing knowing where you create value, what you can do, but knowing where they're 
on a, where people are better going uh, to other options as well. It's quite a position of strength, that, isn't it, almost? I think it is. And, and again, just speaking from experience, having evolved what I do over the course of that time I've, I've been in business is, you know, it's quite liberating when you focus in on what you're really great at. Yeah, and yeah. And, and you sort of let go of the other stuff. And it's quite difficult to let go of all the things that you might be able to do because you've got some experience and you've done it and, and in different, um, you know, different careers in, in the past. But, but I think to, to simply say, this is what I do. This is what I'm really good at that I'm interested in that I enjoy. Because yep. we know better when we're in that place to then say, yeah, and no, I don't do this other stuff. I just do this just focuses our, our, our minds much better. And I think we'll do better for our clients as well because, you know, we're in that sweet spot where we're doing what we really enjoy doing. Yeah. But it takes some time to get there. And, um, you know, we've got to have faith that we can do that and we don't need to be focused on, I've got to get the business, I've got to get the business. Because I think it's counterintuitive. If we take that type of focused approach, we'll probably get more business by being really focused on what we do and how good we are. Again, it goes back to this idea that certainly in the UK, we're not keen on telling people how good we are and the results we get. But if we can get to that point and do that confidently, not overdo it, but do it confidently, then then I think that's really, really powerful. Yeah. I think you actually... You used the expression that uh, when we were talking earlier about um, confidence rather than arrogance as well, isn't it? You know, and uh, and I think that that's all good. So what you're great at is helping people charge what they are worth. Um, so what kind of things do you, I know you've been touching on some of it already, Andrew, but what kind of things do you do um, that help people charge what they're worth? Well, the, the, the model that I use is really simple for four skills that we help people with. Um, and they come together into a sweet spot. So we use the insights from those four to develop a really strong approach. So we focus on value. So what do you do for your customers? Yep. What's valuable? What's different to other people? We then use that value um, to begin to think about what uh, a good pricing model would look like and incorporate some of those ideas around those options as well. So confident place where you know that the price you're going to talk to somebody about or the fee is fair and relative to what you're going to do for them yep cornerstone that gives you confidence to be able to say that because you know Uh, then we talk through the sales conversation so a value-based conversation that's got seven aspects to it uh really simple and straightforward but is focused on a collaborative approach with your customer. Um, and you don't talk about what you're going to do for them and the price of that until you get to stage five and six. So there's lots of good conversation before. And, and we also then talk to people about overcoming objections and negotiating, not because I particularly like it or enjoy Well, I, I do actually negotiating is quite fun. Um, I, I thought you found negotiation fun, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the principle is almost if you get the value part right and we're pricing properly and, and really well with some options and we can have a really good, confident conversation with our customer, at that point, they should just get it and they'll say, yeah, great, when do we start? 
and that happens. So if anybody believes that it doesn't, it does. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, but we have to talk about some negotiating skills because you will come across some people who are just trained to ask for money or for a better price or a discount because they are. Um, yeah. So we incorporate uh, some negotiate, And again, there's just some really simple tactics. If somebody wants a lower price, great, you can have a lower price. Which out of these options don't you want? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you're going to get less value. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and most of the time people are trying it on and they'll say, no, it's OK, we'll go for that anyway. And you think, yeah, well, it would have been easier if you didn't ask. Yeah. But, you know, so so combine those four areas into an approach, some tools, techniques that just allows people to manage that process in a much simpler way. Um, and, and we can apply that model and that approach to um, individual operators. I use it, as, as you'd expect, uh, small businesses. Um, I'm currently running through that program with businesses that are in the hundreds of millions of pounds worth of turnover. So it can apply to bigger companies as well. Uh, and pretty much across any sector. I don't, yeah. it doesn't really apply to retail sectors. So I don't really get into retail, but any business to business environment, um, you know, you can follow those sorts of principles to, to get to a better place. Yeah. Just to be clear then again, the four skills you're talking about is firstly identifying value Yep. I'm right here. Identify yep. value. Second is the pricing model. Yep. Third is the sales conversation based on value, uh, based on pricing. And the fourth is objections and negotiation. Hand. Yeah. 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 No, no, great. And what, um, I know you touched on negotiation there. Um, what kind of difficulties can people get into with negotiation? I mean, you touched on that there about somebody asking for something. At a lower price, so you go back with okay, what what value are we taking out? Um, what are the challenges can people hit with negotiation? You know, the big ones that people use in over the years. Yeah, I, I think. Um, I mean, the first one is to is to approach it from a positive, collaborative perspective. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, we want to get through it, and we want to get to an agreement that is mutually acceptable to both sides. Um, yeah. I think I think what lots of people don't do well enough is uh, as part of their preparation, they don't think about what they, particularly around pricing, what they might agree to, what they might not agree to. Yeah. Okay. And, and if we if we haven't worked out, um, you know, what price we'd like to get, what price is acceptable, uh, what's the lowest price that we want to get, then the danger is we just keep going lower and lower and we end up um, in a bad place where, you know, uh, no deal is better than a bad one. Um, so people need to prepare for those eventualities and how they're going to manage that. Linked to that, people as well need to prepare what they might ask the customer for. Yeah. So if the customer does want... Um, something off the price for example and there might be some genuine reasons why that might be the case then what are you going to ask for in return you know what are you going to get back if you're going to give some value to somebody what are you going to get back you might say um yeah i can i can deliver that for you at a, a price adjustment slightly lower you'll need to pay me in advance how does that sound yeah okay yeah 
So we're always getting something back in return for any concession we give. But again, people don't spend the time working out what's important to them. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and for lots of smaller businesses, actually getting the money in the bank before you do any work is really, yeah, really, really useful. Yeah. Uh, but again, you know, and one thing people very rarely do in negotiations, which is where that bit of insight from the world of pricing is really interesting, is we tend not to use those different options. People negotiate and they'll give, you know, they'll give um, a service package or a, or a product and that will be the price. Then they negotiate it. If you use those different options, you begin to take away that negotiation because somebody wants a lower price, that's great. We've all, all, we've already presented them with a lower priced option. So we take away that that power, if you like, from the other person. So using those options um, and how we position those options also uses some pricing psychology as well, so we can weave that into the conversation. Um, again, takes away a little bit the stress of the negotiation. So preparation around those areas can make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think um, it took two or three really great things from that. I think this whole idea of um, seeing it as a collaborative um, exercise, really, where you know we want to find something that's mutually beneficial to to both sides is a really good thing i love that comment as well about no deal is off well no no deal is better than a bad one um but then what are you going to get back in in return for concessions those are all really great nuggets from that i think um if there was one the most important piece of advice that you could give somebody listening to this podcast episode on pricing and it just had to be one what would that be, Andrew? Well, no. um, I think I'd probably just go back to um, one of the areas that we've touched on is is just knowing the value you deliver for your customers and being yeah. really, really clear on what that proposition is. Uh, and if you can quantify that and put it into numbers, pound notes, that's really useful. If you can get to that point where you know what it is, then it makes asking for your fair share of that, if you like, so much easier. Yeah, yeah. As an example, if if you're um, going to help a manufacturing business um, reduce their costs in a year by, let's just say, £50,000 for argument, and you know you can do that, you've got evidence, testimonials, the numbers to say you're going to save £50,000, then for you to ask that customer for 20000 is so much easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you get 50, I get 20. What about that isn't fair? Yeah, yeah. Because you'll get the 50 in year two and year three. So you can have a much more confident... Co- and then if the customer objects, you can say, perhaps not in these terms, but a simple, okay... Let me just summarize that. So you're going to get a £50,000 benefit, but you don't agree with me having a fair share of 20000 for that. And and it's really difficult to argue that that's not potentially a fair split. It could be 20, it could be you know, whatever you decide. But But I think knowing that value when you have the conversation makes that confidence gauge go up and up and up 
so that you can really present those options and talk about it confidently and, and your customer will get it. Yeah. It's a different conversation then, isn't it? Yeah. And I guess it's um, from what I'm hearing from you as well, and I, and I guess I've found this over the years, it's a slightly different power balance in the conversation um, where you might be very subservient when you start and give all the power to the person making the decision to buy off you. Um, that changes, and particularly as you said, if you sit there and say, you're going to get £50,000 worth of value every year, you're going to pay me once 20000 As you said, how is that in any way, shape or form not a good deal? You know? Yeah, and, and, and I think that, that um, you know, getting into that mindset of it is about serving people, but it's about doing that on an equal footing. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, don't forget, uh, we're talking to people because they've got issues they need to solve, and we've got yeah. the solution. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we've got to be in that position where we, you know, we know what we're about. Um, that's really valuable. We're on an equal footing, so let's be collaborative and and get a good deal that helps us both. Um, yeah, yeah. Go into the conversation thinking they're the buyer. I need the money. Um, they're you know two or three levels higher than me they've got much more power and strength then that's only ever going to result in people probably doing an awful lot of work for not a lot of return yeah yeah and, yeah, and the relationship's not great either is it and and it doesn't it ends up not particularly working so again it gets back to that mindset about understanding that value and then really focusing in on what we can do for people as part of that sales conversation. And again, it just makes it much more fun and enjoyable to have that type of conversation than, than one where we're trying to sell, cajole, persuade somebody to buy what we've got. Um, because we think it's great, you know, customer might not think that at all. Yeah. I think that those expressions you used about serving people on an equal footing, seeing it as a positive and collaborative um, you know, relationship. Love all of that. I think that's uh, what a brilliant way to look at it, really. Uh, so, yeah, no, fantastic, Andrew. I think there's some really fascinating insights there into, as you said, from a, a you call it a pricing mindset, um, but how you approach this and get yourself, because it isn't, obviously, as you were saying, um, some of this is practical preparation and it's having options ready and all of that. But a lot of it, as often in life, is getting yourself in the right headspace yeah. for those discussions, those meetings, and what have you. And um, and I think there's lots in there for people to take away about the, the balance, the power balance, the equal footing relationship, all of those kind of things. And and as you say, when I asked you about the most important thing, going back to it again, being really clear on the value that you do provide and have provided for people, and that you can provide for the person that you're having that discussion with, really. So, yeah, all fantastic. Good. Okay, well, before we finish, um, it'd be really great to signpost. If people want to have a conversation with you about your model, the four skills, all of those sort of areas, where's the best place to find you, Andrew? Easiest place to find me is on LinkedIn. Um, so if you just put a search in Andrew Bailey or Price Without Fear, then uh, I'm sure I'll appear fairly quickly. Um, to can connect, uh, send me a message and I'll get straight back in touch with people. My email address is really simple, andrew at 
pricewithoutfear.com. So again, people can give me a call as well. So um, yeah, be be great to have a chat with people. Excellent. Well, um, oh, yeah, we, we've known each other for a long time. Always good to talk with you, Andrew. But um, really pleased that we've we finally got together to uh, have a discussion on the Leadership Mindset Podcast Enjoy series. It. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Tony. If you want to explore your leadership mindset in more detail, why not complete our free leadership diagnostic at thetonybrooks.com and subscribe to this podcast to join us for future podcasts.